Gentlemen, Tony DePani here from the Patriarchy Podcast. You are moments away from part one of our two-part episode on being the church in a dark age. But before we get to that, I have some good news. You asked for it, you begged for it, you patiently, okay, some of you not so patiently, but most of you reasonably patiently, waited for it, and it's here. The Patriarchy Podcast now has its own dedicated RSS podcast feed. What's that mean for those of you that possibly listen to our show via the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network app, available in the Apple App Store and Google Play? Well, a lot of people like to get their podcast intake via iTunes or CastBox and Tetapod or any of the other plethora of podcast apps out there. But up until now, they've had to wade through the main Fight, Laugh, Feast Network podcast feed and pick out our episodes. It's not fun. I've done it myself. (laughs) But now you don't have to. So how do you get our own RSS feed? Well, simple. You go to bit.ly forward slash The Patriarchy Podcast RSS. There's no spaces, no capitalization, just bit.ly forward slash The Patriarchy Podcast RSS. Then you copy and paste that into whatever podcast app of choice you got, and voila, The Patriarchy Podcast episodes without all the distraction. I'd love to say you're welcome and take all the credit, but honestly, there's some really awesome folks at the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network that made this all possible. So head on over to the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network Facebook page and leave a comment or shoot them a message and say, thanks for getting the Patriarchy Podcast a dedicated feat. I can now die a happy man, or something like that. But without further ado, enjoy part one of The Dark Ages. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show, and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. Authority over me? Go eat your f- superior. I personally can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of the Don't say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. And that is 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. You are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to The Patriarchy. My name is Tony DePani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating today? Um, excuse me. Well, Tony, I'm a. Uh, I, I thought we were doing one of those. Uh, ASMR. Those one episodes. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we're not doing an ASMR episode. Goodness, oh, no. That's not this episode. We'll save that uh, for the hundredth episode. <laughs> oh, okay. You sure you don't want to? You sure? Pop, 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 pop. Are, you, are you eating a quiet sandwich? This is so weird. Just do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it took a, oh no, that's the worst. Okay, uh, that took a weird turn. Okay, <laughs> so right. so so real sandwich. I got a real sandwich. Sure you do. Okay, I, that's yeah, that's as real so, as our ASMR episode. Yeah, yeah. So the real sandwich, uh, corned beef Reuben, mm. um, homemade, nice. really good. So nice. uh, Thousand Island dressing made the the Thousand Island dressing. And this is cabbage actually from our garden that we, we made last year and uh, fermented for the sauerkraut. Mm. Oh, and a lot, of work, a lot of work going into the sandwich. This it actually is really, really good. Now, good we didn't sandwich. make the Swiss cheese, obviously. We had to get that. But, you know, you got it from my wife, right? Because she always makes the cheese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, like, the reason we've been doing it, we, we've been like, we made a bunch of these because we're going to a party. Okay. And so we're actually going to an archaeological party. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like this uh, Indiana Jones theme party, and uh, it should be a fun time. But, like you know, like, the, like of, the good Indiana Jones or the, the weird fourth one of the aliens? Well, you know, we're bringing sauerkraut, so it's like the, when they when he fought the Germans, when okay. he fought the Nazis. Absolutely. Not when he tried yeah. Now I tried to fight the, ET. The, <laughs> when he fought the commies, the commies ruined the franchise. Jones. Okay. Yeah, because All right. the, yeah. Anyways. All right. All so right. we went to the, we we're going to this party and kind of the purpose is we're all looking for the remains of a lowered leg. Yeah, there's like somewhere in like, there's this dirt and we've been told there's like uh, in the ground here, there's the remains of a lower leg. So it should be quite the shindig. Oh, uh, that was horrible. Uh, was it even a real sandwich? Tell me it was real. No? no. Oh. No, that's it was even real. worse. I actually thought it might be a real sandwich that time because it sounded good. It was as real as Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull. Oh, that's such a horrible movie. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, folks, if we ruined it. anything for you, but we really didn't ruin it. You uh, yeah. just ruined your life if you watched it. Okay. Yeah, but I try to keep my you know archaeological oh, no. jokes really grounded. Oh, I knew there was something else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I don't usually tell them again because there's no good digging up the past. Uh huh. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, my sandwich, <laughs> goodness, was real. Um, it was actually left part of the shindig. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, I'm not digging for. Digging for shins. Um, no, we uh, actually my my uh, my mom uh, made a Easter Sunday uh, uh, dinner for all of us, and she made a really good uh, ham, like this circular cut ham, and I can't remember what she did too, but it was amazingly good. And she makes uh, these. Uh, actually, if anybody's listened for some time, you've probably heard me talk about it, different holidays. My mom makes cheesy potatoes, and they're amazing, but they're like the unending bowl of cheesy potatoes like i that she just doesn't know how much to make and so it just keeps going and going but do the, do the potatoes tell dad jokes uh, do they tell dad jokes <laughs> is that why they're the cheesy potatoes it's cheesy potato yeah nice um no oh, the corny potatoes unlike unlike your jokes that are actually good um so oh, we we had potatoes. leftovers we had like corny potatoes we had leftovers and uh so we used uh ham and some we actually toasted the bread and then i actually i know it sounds weird but it tastes good it's kind of like you just put everything on it but we put some of the cheesy potatoes on the sandwich and um it's what, good. what was the sandwich i just heard about cheesy potatoes ham no it had ham on it too so we we had the the thin cut ham and everything she did um, we put that on the sandwich. Oh, so your and, wife did the thin cut ham. 
Sure. Sure, she she well, it was leftovers. Did so. she butcher the pig? Did she too? butcher the pig? Yeah, uh, yeah. She helped my mom. Uh, we're gonna go with this. Um, so she helped my mom. They went out back where we happen to have a pig farm now. Even though I've never mentioned it ever in the entirety of the show, we have a pig farm, and uh, yeah, she butchered a pig and uh, you know slow roasted that that guy and uh, then dug up your cut potatoes because they, they grow the really well. Absolutely. And, and, Early spring, I guess. Early spring, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Through over the winter. Sure, let's go with that. And then, as always, because they're cheesy potatoes, my wife had to go milk the cow, as you know, as you say, every time anything that I have has cheese in it, she had to milk the cow, and and she she made it to the cheese, and she, you know, even the butter that we used, right? She had to churn the butter. My wife just always out there churning the butter and milking the cow, and on the on the farm we don't have and uh yeah for sure yeah so that's that's what we ate <laughs> sounds like a good sandwich man it was mine actually was a real sandwich it was a good sandwich left you know i don't know about you but man leftover uh holiday sandwich stuff it's i don't know what you call it but it's good it's just good and just put it all together and it's I, I think that's that's one of my favorite things on like after Thanksgiving too. It's, it's leftovers. Oh, or man. or that sometimes or, it's like better than the actual day. Yeah, or like or that night, right? Like so if you eat like Thanksgiving lunch, you know, and then you, at night you have all the stuff still there and you you make it in, it's all the same stuff, but you make it into a sandwich or you I don't know, make something else out of it. And yeah, it's it's really good. It's amazing. I'm really hungry for cheesy potatoes now, even though I literally just ate it like half an hour ago. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're kind of making me hungry, man. It's good stuff, man. My mom's cheesy potatoes, nothing like it. All right, so we have a segment. Uh, we, we haven't done this one in a little while, but um, it, it's a, it's an oldie buddy goodie. So uh, <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good one. Okay, here we go. Oh, that's heresy, Patrick. I'm just getting into a prophetic vein. Someone with a digestive tract problems. Quickly call. There's a miracle for you. Intestinal problems. Someone with similar intestinal problems. We've seen several people being delivered from the colostomy bag. Disability with a child. Some type of a learning disability. We've seen many, many children healed. We've seen midgets grow. We've seen arms and legs that stop growing. Growing because the growth cells that stop. I don't make this stuff up. <laughs> I don't make this stuff up. <laughs> We've seen midgets grow. <laughs> he don't make that stuff up. Man. It's make- important that he told you that because he he knows you might think. He might think. Whatever the heck that is. Kind of sounds like Jabba the Hutt. Oh, oh man. man! What a mess! <laughs> yeah, that's definitely heresy, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, about a Honda. Should have bought a Hyundai. <laughs> Should have bought a Hyundai. Should have bought a Hyundai. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. But uh, dear fans, it was between that and and, and a Joel Alstein clip. So we went with that one because it was a little more uh, insane. But Joel, see my bow tie, tie my bow tie. <laughs> it's like you've had experience with this. I'm getting a little concerned here. <laughs> So so we we brought that up uh, because uh, we wanted to talk about, uh, well, here, I'll let you introduce it, Joseph, because this was kind of your thing here, but what do we want to talk about today? What was our our theme? All right, yeah. uh, How about being the church in a dark age? So this is our 
are a, a lighthearted attempt at introducing that. lighthearted at a segue. Yeah. Um, you know, the church is in, in, in many places in a bad, bad way. We just had Easter uh, and actually, I actually really enjoyed a lot of my Facebook friends putting their pictures of their families and stuff yeah, up. That was nice. But I also saw some pretty like cringy stuff at Easter. We were actually watching this clip earlier of, of uh, I guess it was like an Easter pageant. And, oh, yeah. and, and the light of the, I don't know why what they did that caused this, but like the tomb was lighting up and then the tomb caught on fire. Yeah. And Jesus kicked down the, the guy playing Jesus kicked down the front door and then the whole tomb caught on fire and then. They had to come and bring fires extinguishers. Yeah, and I the guy know. singing the song kept oh, going. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I don't know what yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they just had some kind of lights that were too hot on it, but yeah, it was it was very <laughs> <laughs> That was that was a weird you can find that one on, on YouTube. We were we were trying to find stuff for the segment. We watched uh, quite a few things that were making us laugh. I don't know. You said it was a we're in a dark age right now. I don't know how we're in a dark age when the tomb lit lights on fire and <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Jesus kicks the door down. So <laughs> Well, no, I, I, we 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 have the light of the gospel, so it's kind of difficult to ever call an age past the resurrection a dark age because mm-hmm. you know, the light is shined on the darkness. And yet, you know, in our culture, the we keep turning our backs against the gospel. And and for 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 example, in in my own church, um, our church meets in on a block and within the block like the building there are there are six or seven different church buildings within the block wow hmm. like there's like literally on every side of us a, a church wow. there is a roman catholic church on one side of us and there's a, a church of christ on the other that has a woman pastor hmm. so so and, far i haven't heard any churches and then there is a PCUA USA church. I still haven't heard any church. Which has a homosexual uh, uh, drag queen for its worship leader. Okay. And, and so, we're, you know, we're stuck in the middle. <laughs> so, so like, effectively, you don't have any other churches on your block. You just have you guys. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, the you know, we hear all the time about people struggling to find good churches and all yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, those were some pretty, you know, difficult things we just talked about in the, in the churches. Like there's there's a Methodist church nearby, too, that also has a woman preacher and stuff. I, I've kind of thought, you know, if I had if like if I was stuck here and I didn't have to, I had to pick one of these probably like the Roman Catholic sounds like say. the like the least problem. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, but uh, yeah. obviously um, God has placed this there. And so uh, that that being on my mind has made me think about what does it mean to be a church in the midst of the darkness like that? What yeah. what uh, what does that look like? And is there any examples in Scripture that we point to? And obviously there is of what it looks like to be the church and do it rightly. In particular, either planting a church, growing a church, or something like that. And so um, uh, my thoughts came to the the work of the Apostle Paul. And then uh, the work of Timothy, actually. So the Apostle Paul would often plant churches, and then as he would move on, he would leave, either leave behind Timothy or Titus or some other uh, godly man. And, and the, the, you know, the big examples are Timothy and Titus mm-hmm. that he would instruct on how to uh, lead the churches and how to to 
grow the churches. And so uh, I thought it would be helpful for us as we think about in the midst of like either the stupidity of Robert Tilton, the kind of superficial <laughs> niceness uh, smiles of Joel Osteen, the lawlessness of the PCUSA. And those are just like the big easy targets. There's, you know, churches that are supposed to be reformed that are caving on biblical sexuality. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of churches that are just ate up with silly myths and all that stuff. And so First uh, Timothy uh, is instructions from Paul to Timothy on building up and guiding the church in a, in a dark age. So um, I thought it'd be helpful for us to just kind of work through First Timothy together look at what scripture has to say to the church and then us as uh, individuals that make up the church. If we're pastors and elders, we have duties to fulfill with that. If we're members, we can push and encourage our church in the right directions. So I thought that would be a helpful thing to do today. All right, let's do it. All right. Well, how about we start with the background of first Timothy? So if, if, if you got your Bible, you know, it starts with the Paul, he wrote it. And he wrote it to Timothy, and he wrote it to Timothy as uh, Paul was leaving behind uh, Macedonia. Um, actually, in the book of Acts, we have a picture of, of when Paul left behind uh, the church in Ephesus. So Timothy has stayed in Ephesus, and uh, Paul has left there. If you read in Acts chapter 20, uh, verses 25 through 30, you'll see a picture of that. So uh, why don't you read that for us? Oh, thanks. Okay. What was that? Acts what? <laughs> Acts 20, 25 through 30. Sorry to put you on the spot there. I should have warned you. <laughs> I had everything else brought up on my screen here except that. So. <laughs> okay. Acts 20, 25, 30. Da, 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 da. There we go. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned, declared to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. So here it is. The apostle Paul is leaving behind and, and he, he basically saying, Hey, you won't see my face anymore. I'm done. I've, uh, I've done the work here. And I'm also telling you, I'm testifying like your blood is not on my hands mm -hmm. because I didn't shrink back from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. You know, I went house to house, door to door with tears and I proclaim to you all of God's word. And so he's giving this instruction to the elders there. Be on guard for yourselves and the flock. Shepherd them. Take care of them. And then he says, because I know that after I leave here, there are savage wolves coming that will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And then he says, from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Hmm. Man, that's kind of a, that's kind of heavy, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, because like when you read the book of Ephesians, I guess next to Romans, it's like the, the most um, heavy or, or, or weighty 
sense of glory of the gospel, right? You know, Ephesians mm-hmm. chapter one and chapter two with uh, very clear on God's predestination, on grace, for by grace you're saved, not of works. I mean, uh, lest any man should boast. That, that's Ephesians 2. Heavy, weighty stuff. And you're like, man, this church has really got this. The Apostle Paul's taught it. And like, this is a firm church. And yet Paul's warning is, is like, as well, soon as I'm leaving, I know that there's probably some men right here that I'm talking to who are going to rise and do perverse things. And you'll yeah. draw disciples away after yourselves. And so I think even before we even talk about being the church, we need to recognize that it's not a uh, um, it's not a surprise to God nor to his apostles. And it shouldn't be a surprise to any godly man, pastor, elders, or uh, just even individuals that there's darkness in the churches. It should be no surprise that there's false teachers and wolves. Um, it, 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 uh, you hate to think about it. Like when certainly I talked about those churches surrounding us, it's like, man, what a shame that like Mm -hmm. the, like such a terrible witness for our culture is there, but it's not a surprise. We ought to be on the lookout for it. And so, uh, Paul's then instructions here in first Timothy to Timothy and leaving him behind make a whole lot more sense. Uh, knowing Paul, Paul assumed this was going to happen and he's making attempts to work against it. So that brings us back. That's kind of the, kind of the background a little bit of, of uh, first Timothy. Paul's left the, the Ephesians. He's left behind Timothy. And in particular, it says, uh, I'm leaving you behind so you can instruct some men to stop teaching the things that they're doing. There's some men going with silly myths, um, pretending to be teachers of the law. They don't really know anything about it. They're, they're either they're legalists. We'll see in, in, uh, chapter four that, uh, they forbid marriage or eating or drinking certain things. And then we also see uh, that they're lawless. So actually, they're legalists on one hand, trying to teach things about the law that they don't understand and know, using it wrongly to, to puff up themselves with pride. On the other hand, they're lawless. They're the kind of men that draw people after them. And Timothy is being left behind to deal with this. So this is actually your left behind book. I was just going to make a joke, and then I was like, nah, that's too easy. That's too easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you know there was a Left Behind book in the Bible? This there is you it. go. Yes. Tim LaHaye, he went time travel. <laughs> yeah. So the, a few of the things, silly myths, legalism, lawlessness, and then a distortion of the gospel. That kind of was sounds there. like the different churches around you on your corner. Yeah, well, right. it sounds like you know where we're at. Like, so you think silly myths? What are they today? Like, also, well, I think well, your Roman Catholic neighbors, or you can't marry and you can't eat things on certain days. Yeah, yeah. There's the, but even within like, uh, what do you want to call it? Evangelical churches. There's like this exchange for the preaching of God's word for positive, encouraging K love kind of stories. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like, where the preaching is light and airy. Yeah. And it's kind of meant to relax you and soothe you. We're going to turn down the lights right now. Everybody just hold your hand up in the air. I see you. I see you down there. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually that, that we were going to play a Joel Osteen clip. Yeah, pretty much. Very much. It, which, and he said a lot of things that are somewhat true. And then every once in a while he sneaks in something else. Yeah, that's what we were laughing at. And it, it is but sneaky. You, yeah. 
but it's just, he's sneaky, but there's even more sneaky in the sense of like, you can constantly, you can actually speak true things, but out of balance, true things. Yeah. What I mean is like, if you constantly talk about grace, 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 and you never talk about God's judgment and wrath or about our duty to obey God, you know, one of the things I think about is like the whole, like, you're not David kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause there's certainly truth about that. Like we ought not just look at the story of David and Goliath and think that's, that's me and yeah. my yeah. giants of, of, whatever like yeah. the traffic today i had to defeat the giant of driving to work in traffic and not being late <laughs> right <laughs> you know? uh we laugh but i'm sure somebody out there has has made that that comparison yeah, or the you know or or like uh the giants of your your pocketbook and and all yeah. that stuff yes, yes so yeah so there's some truth to that but on the other hand because we have faith in christ we are david in that we are to take on the enemies of God according to our stations by faith. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to get that balance is uh, wrong. Is, I think to go down silly myths, right? It's to soothe you and not strengthen you for the fight. Maybe another thing is all the kind of conspiracy theories. Oh, goodness. Stuff. Yeah. The, uh, I was just actually thinking of, uh, you know, that lady, uh, you always see here, just his YouTube videos of her, the whole, uh, monster logo the monster energy drink logo where she says it's oh the, yeah yeah, it's yeah the, the mark of the beast and and uh every yeah everything's the mark of the beast right now and everything is everybody's got some illuminati behind it all and yeah like a constant looking for demons and like demon demons behind and, hid, and hidden everything. truths and everything that, that yeah. will be if you add these verse numbers up which i always think that's hilarious when they're like well if you add these verse numbers up it adds up to this and like you you do realize they didn't have verse numbers <laughs> yeah. or, or, or you know like this how about this one the trinity um did you know that constantine created the trinity and he established um, sunday worship yes. and uh mm-hmm. he's the one that started roman catholicism mm-hmm. and so yeah, uh, before then they were all uh Torah observant Christians, like they kept the ceremonies and like the, the festival booths and everything. Nobody ate, nobody ate bacon. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yep. were all Hebrew roots movement back before Constantine. Yep. Yeah, I know. I've heard that too. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody that has a particular uh, conviction on eating food things. But if you get to that point where you're just like, oh, it's this big conspiracy in history to change all it, it, that's that's where I, I draw the line with my tolerance of that it, that's a little ridiculous now it's not to say that there's not consp- conspiring like the, the 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 people conspired against jesus that was mm-hmm. the biggest conspiracy of all time mm-hmm. and yet god was right at the center of it controlling every ounce of it yep and it's not that wicked people don't conspire today they do and i don't even think it's wrong to highlight them and point to them but you know, there is a sense of silly myths that when that becomes what you're all you're about. Yeah, the constant worrying, the constant mm-hmm. uh, just obsession with. Well, I mean, we don't have to belabor that point. We did a we did an episode on that, so go back and go back and listen yeah. to our episode on conspiracy theories. And because there's all that weird focus on some of that stuff, you kind of get this like, um, like I said, two two extremes. You have like this unhitching from the Old Testament, right? We're gonna. Um, unhitch from that and get less legalism Mm -hmm. and actually what you do is you get more of that or there's like this you know 
like we were doing with the Hebrew roots movement, where you got to keep the ceremonial law. And so you're actually using the law wrongly, which is what they were doing in Paul's day. They were doing that same thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was the Jews trying to convince the Gentiles that you need to go back and keep circumcision and all the ceremonies. You need to be a good Jew before you can be a Christian. And they're misusing the law, which Paul says here to Timothy, like the, the law is good. There's nothing wrong with the, God's law, but it had, the purpose of it is to convict us of our sins. Yep. And um, and so you get, and then that's the kind of thing. You get like a, a, an unhitched from God's moral law and his obedience to his moral commandments. And then you get hitched to all these other things. Like the people fight over matters of indifference, like whether you can celebrate Easter or not, or whether you can have the color of the carpet or uh, uh, what length of the sermon needs to be. <laughs> um, or forbidding marriage yeah. or uh, genealogies, like focused on that. And, you know, the reason they would focus on those uh, was a... Uh, basically to try to like connect yourself back to important people so that you can yeah, you be ad advanced in your and lord your over kingdom people and feel important yeah. or look have people look at you like you're important yeah for sure yeah so we we never would use genealogies today to like make people uh feel guilty and oh for their heritage or, lord over or them. for yeah yeah, yeah for, we wouldn't do that today right color like, or their no we wouldn't do it no i haven't heard of that at all that's that's definitely a thing from a long time ago we've moved I mean, past if, we've moved past that as a people yeah we have absolutely right. we've gotten past our white privilege and white guilt and <laughs> all that stuff absolutely <laughs> not a thing <laughs> so the distortion of all those things happened then it's maybe not the in the particulars but the principles of what's happening and the it's obvious like result. Like there's nothing new under the sun. I know. Yeah. And so the principle, what ends up happening is that the gospel's distorted, right? Mm -hmm. Salvation by grace through faith because of Christ and for God's glory gets lost. And with this loss of that is a loss of love for God and love for neighbor. Because then sin entangles the church. There's no pure hearts. There's no sincere faith. You're just left with churches with people going through the motions, no different than the world, and leading the world astray. Yep. And so that's Paul's background. That's why he's so opposed to this false teaching. That's why he leaves Timothy there. And so as we see that, then we can start to see, okay, what's the response to this? Like these silly myths and all this stuff. What's the right response? And so I think as we look through here, we got a few things that we'll see that if the church gets right, then uh, it will actually be obeying scripture and completing what God has for it. And so I think actually the first thing to look at then is the right goal. Before we get into that, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll come back and get into it, okay? All right, so we're going to take a quick break, so stick around. Uh, when we come back, we're going to go over the at least the first two points. This may end up being a two-part episode. I don't know. We will see. But you are listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We will be right back.
Dear Mr. Zuckerberg, I paid for an ad for a gardening course for men that I teach. No pansies gardening. But I got a notice that it's been removed for hate speech. I would like to submit for review, please, because we don't actually garden pansies. Signed, Al. Well, Al, good luck with that, because in about two seconds... Wait a second! I just got hit with another strike for submitting my request for a review? That doesn't seem fair. Yeah, Al, none of it does. <laughs> just you wait, buddy. Oh, come on! Another strike just for clicking the I don't agree button? And now I can't even post? How am I supposed to advertise now? Good question, Al. And I think I may have an answer for you. And for everyone else that's been in the same boat as you. Are you like Al? You got your own business and you need to advertise, but it seems all the normal platforms just aren't working out because, well, they're woke and you're not. Yeah, we've been there too, but we want to help. We have an ever-growing audience on our show, and we're looking for Christian-owned businesses that want to advertise to men and women that are looking for honest, quality-driven products and services. If you like our show, our humor, and our production, send us an email at contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com with a brief description of your business, product, or service, along with the kind of advertising you're looking for on our show, and let's talk. Don't end up like poor Al over here. Oh, good grief! Now I have to submit my driver's license, a blood sample, and my firstborn child as tribute to Zuckerberg just to be able to submit another ad? Yeah, Al, it's not worth it, buddy. Send an email to contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com. Let's talk about advertising your business on our show outside of the confines of Zuckerberg and all the others. Gentlemen, Tony DePani here from the Patriarchy Podcast. Do you like coffee? I do. The darker, the better. Joseph doesn't. He calls it bitter bean water, and that's because he drinks sweet tea, which is basically just brown Kool-Aid. He also doesn't know that I'm doing this commercial, and he's not here right now, so I could say whatever I want. Call it bitter bean water, or as you should, call it the nectar of the gods. Either way, coffee is a wonderful thing. That's why we've partnered with Mission First Coffee, a Christian-owned and operated coffee brand that ships that wonderful bean water straight to your doorstep. 10% of every order goes to Paul Washer's Heart Cry Missionary Society, and they've even got a no-questions money-back guarantee, which is crazy in today's day and age. So ditch the Dunkin', scrap the Starbucks, head over to missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy to get some seriously good coffee and support our show. What are you waiting for? The gender-neutral barista at the local chain shop to ask if you want whipped cream with that latte? Come on. Real men drink it black. And go support a company that will actually be remembered in the world to come. That's missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy. And be sure to leave a comment with your order that you'd love to see a super dark patriarchy blend one day, because I think that'd be pretty cool. So head over to missionfirstcoffee.com forward slash patriarchy. Get yourself or a loved one or both. A bag of beautiful bean water today. All right, welcome back. Uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, what it means to uh, be the church in a fairly 
dark time, and so Joseph was taking us through uh, 1 Timothy and kind of the backdrop on that. But now we're going to move into what is the response? What was what did Paul want the response to be, and what's the response of the church? So Joseph, take us there. Yeah. So in contrast to the the, the speculations and and a getting away from uh, Christ and faith. Uh, Paul tells Timothy in verse five of chapter one, what the goal of the whole thing is. And so the goal of our instruction, Paul is saying is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith, right? This is the goal of the church. This is the goal of the preaching, the teaching uh, as Christians, our work. This is what we're trying to bring. You know, it's, it's synonymous with going to the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. This is the goal of that, which is love with a uh, um, pure heart and, um, uh, sorry, I lost my place. Good conscience, sincere faith. Thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> love from a pure heart and a good conscience. And, That's why uh, I'm here, uh, folks. That's the only reason I'm here. Thank you. So keep, yes. them on, keep them on track. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, pure heart good conscience. And then that's the kind of love we're to have, which is not the hypocritical love of the world. Um, it's love for God, God's glory. And, you know, it, it's the whole, it's the Westminster uh, catechism question. What's the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy him forever? Mm-hmm. Well, here it is love. The goal of our instruction is love. Because, you know, as Paul says, faith and hope and love are the greatest, but faith and hope will fall away, and love is actually the greatest. Like, love is what exists forever, love for God. Uh, One day our faith will be made sight. And so the whole goal of all the things that we're instructing people with is love for God and then love for their neighbor. And so if the church is going to be rightly established and in a dark age, it's got to get this right. Love for God's glory, first and foremost. So much of what happens in a lot of modern evangelicalism is because there's no really love for God's glory at first. There's a hypocritical love for neighbor. And so it leads into like pragmatism. Yeah, they they say all the right things sometimes, but they they don't really actually understand what they're saying. They, they, they'll say, yeah, well, let's say all the right things, but then when it comes down to actually applying that or actually what that means or the end of it, it, it they're really only saying it because they want to, uh, like kind of what you're saying, they want to feel important, right? They want people to look at them and think, oh, how smart are you or how wise are you? But then they don't actually take that and apply it and it ends up being meaningless. Yeah. So there's that aspect, which that's hypocrisy. The other aspect is if you get that switch, like love for neighbor over love for God. Right. And then right. so what I mean by pragmatism, like everything is about like seek the seeker sensitive movements and <laughs> yeah. not offending people. But the love we're to have is from a pure heart and good conscience. And a good conscience is not just one where you're like, your conscience is seared. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But actually from the fact that your conscience is by the word of God. Mm. And you'll see Paul talk about conscience quite a bit. In fact, it's one of the reasons he says we obey even civil magistrates is because of conscience issues. Uh, 
that is keeping a good conscience before people is because we've kept God's commands. Our conscience is not seared. It's not um, full of laden with guilt because of sin, nor is it laden with guilt because we've uh, given other people uh, um, means to stumble or to to uh, grumble against God and besmirch his glory. Right. And so get this right. The right goal, love for God, love for, and then love for neighbor. And all of that is under a pure heart, which means the church has to fight for peace and purity, right? To, to wash people with the water and the word and, uh, not a love of the world, right? It's not loving to go to gay pride things and say, love is love. That's not love from a pure heart and a good conscience. That's hypocrisy. It's yep. lawlessness. It's hate, actually. Yeah, that's true. And then the second part is faith, right? And a uh, a, a sincere faith. So again, not hypocritical, but true belief in Christ, like standing firmly on God's word. Like when you have conversations with unbelievers or with even your wife or children, it, do you speak as a believer? Do you live as a believer? Um, trusting the Lord? Or do you act as if like there's some neutral ground and it's all like probabilities, these kinds of things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, we see, so a, lot, we I, see a lot of that in, in when you're talking about the pragmatism thing. We see a lot of that in laws, legal things that it's like, well, yeah, we could get halfway there or, you know, well, we, we, we don't, we can't really fight for that right now or those kind of things. Or, or what's that? I'm not going to get reelected. I hear that a lot. If I vote yeah. for that, I won't get reelected. Like, well, is it good for the people though? <laughs> is this the right thing? Is this honoring to God? Yeah. So standing on a sincere faith and I think there's, you know, wisdom obviously that we apply as we obey God's law, but that gets into, as you talk about the law, the difference between those who were silly myths and pretended to be teachers of the law and those who obey God's law is like, for one, the whole purpose is completely different. And two, yeah. they don't see God's law as, in a right way. Like that, you know, Paul says it's not made for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. Right. It is it's to expose our sin. And then from a, a civil government perspective, it's to prevent or, or punish uh, law, lawlessness, yeah. uh, crime. And so, uh, these are true and right accounts of God's law, which the church upholds. But when you make law keeping a way to, uh, salvation, like, or, or, or a way to justification in particular, you're, you're, you're abusing God's word and you don't have it right, which leads me to the next point. So the first point we have the right motive the next point is the church has to have the right gospel, mm. which that comes in verses 12 through 17. So do you want to read that? First Timothy 12 through 17. 12, 17. Sure. Yeah. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. We're going to 17, right? 
Yep. Yep. Okay. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe to him for everlasting life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. So you, you see here Paul talking about his own life. And so there's humility here and that he's admitting like I I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, violent aggressor. Uh, uh, your translation said an insolent man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he was saying, but I was shown mercy because I was acting in unbelief. Like I was an unbeliever, basically, and God showed me mercy. And the grace of the Lord was more than abundant because there's faith and love that's found in Jesus. And so he has this, this verse 15, this like this trustworthy statement, right? Everybody ought to accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Which is interesting. He's saying, hey, everybody needs to accept this statement, which includes the fact that Paul's saying that he's the chief yeah. of sinners. <laughs> yes. Which, you know, uh, I'll definitely accept the first part, Paul, but the second part's more true of me than it was you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. And that's how a Christian ought to be. Right. Yes. The gospel is for sinners. And I was the worst of them. And God saved me. And this is the gospel we proclaim that God saves sinners. And we do so as those who have been rescued, not as proud, uh, like we saved ourselves. Look how righteous and holy we are. And so if the church is going to be light in the dark world, it has to start with its humility. We were in darkness and God brought us out and we're proclaiming that to you. And notice that Paul ends with this thing that Jesus is king. Like he, he, he this whole statement brings him to uh, praise God, but it, it helps give the whole picture of the gospel because the gospel is about sinners being rescued, but it's about Christ being king. And I think there's this tension in, even in today to like short circuit one of these parts of the gospel to either like in, for, in one sense, you have the social gospel, which is no gospel at all, which makes it all about, you know, bettering of society and that kind of thing. Yeah. On the other hand, there's kind of like the fire insurance, Jesus, <laughs> where like if the tomb catches on fire. Dude, I was just thinking of that. <laughs> okay. If the tomb catches on fire, Jesus is going to kick that door down. <laughs> no, but there's like the whole like it's just you get your soul saved and you get out of here kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. That, that's escapism. Yeah. And whereas the full, the, the whole gospel is that Christ is king. And because he is king, he reigns over his church in particular, and he reigns over the whole world for the benefit of his church. But he is pushing back the forces of darkness. And this is what's good news for sinners, that sinners can be saved because of this and saved from their sins and saved into light. Like the, the curse of God's law has been taken away. Their sin nature has been nailed to the cross and all of that's dead. But now there's resurrection in them. And they're to live that way because he's the king. He's the king of kings. And that has implications for every area of life. Like uh, it does have implications for politics and laws and economics and all those things. And so the church has to get that right. Absolutely. So uh, the, the third thing that we see here, then if the church is going to make 
an impact in like a dark culture. It has to have the right purpose, the right gospel, and then the right position. And, and you'll see this in chapter two, verses one through seven. And what I mean by position is, I mean, that the church has been granted by God a position of interceder or uh, uh, um, that is that we, we kind of we stand in the gap between the world and calling the world into the light. So we stand proclaiming into the darkness, calling the world out into the light and bringing them to Christ, praying. And so uh, in particular, that work of interceding is the work of prayer. Jesus said that his house would be the house of prayer. And so you read here like uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 to 7. Uh, why don't you read that for us? <laughs> you just can't keep doing this to me, are you? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Let me bring it up here. <clears throat> there we go. Okay. You said one to seven? Yep. All right. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So I want to make the distinction here very carefully between interceding on behalf of other people and mediating, because the Bible is very clear. There's one mediator between God and man. It's not Mary. It's not the apostles. It's not the church. It's Jesus. He is the mediator. He's the one we go to who brings us to, to, to God, who gives us peace with God and then peace with each other. But we have the duty of interceding, that is praying on behalf of all men and then proclaiming the gospel. Right? This is why Paul was appointed as a preacher and apostle. It's why the church is appointed to proclaim that news that there's one mediator between God and man to proclaim that, that God is, has, uh, that Jesus has made a way to redeem us and gave himself for a ransom for all. But what means the church needs to reclaim this duty of intercession of prayer, um, it has to stand in the gap praying on behalf of the surrounding area. I think one of the reasons that our culture is dying that it's in the darkness is, is that the church has forgotten its duty to be salt and light. And in particular, forgotten to to pray on behalf of those in authority. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then maybe on the other hand, so maybe why God still tarries with our wicked land and hasn't destroyed us is that there are still believers crying out, praise God. Mm-hmm. And so, um, right, but the, the point being is that the church actually has been called by God to pray and to bring others to Christ. And that includes those in authority. Uh, Again, another reason we're in darkness is that the church really has had nothing to say to those in authority other than at times, maybe a message of rebellion, right? We hate you and mock you and despise you and don't want you. It's kind of our message to the civil magistrates. Yeah. It comes out. I think some of that, some of it comes out of just a rebellious spirit, but I think some of that comes out of frustration, not even as much of 
the frustration of a government. I think a frustration that people have, you know, you've been like what you're trying to say, like we haven't been a voice to them and we've been quiet. And I think that it gnaws at you, it gnaws at people. And then eventually it all kind of just erupts. You know, it's like, you know, even in like a marriage or something, you know, you keep it all bottled in and, you know, sweep it under the rug and then eventually it's all going to come out. And I think that comes out in a people at times, even otherwise good people. I think they just think, well, it's not my place. It's not my place. It's not my place. But, the, you know, deep down, you know, it is uh, deep down. You know that the church should be saying something about this. And then eventually that old frustration kind of, you know, boils to the surface and it comes out in a very sinful manner. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're you're right. Some of that is and some of the frustration is probably is rightly placed. Right. Our civil government has done wicked for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's partially because the civil the, the, the church has not spoken, has not done their duty. Uh, they've either like done the kind of rebellious thing or they done uh, the capitulation, which is like they sell their birthright for a seat at the table. Yeah. They uh uh, you know, they're happy to have access to civil magistrates and not actually influence on civil magistrates. Right. They just want to be seen with them and, or, yeah, or let me get my picture taken with, yep, with, exactly. with, with Trump. Kiss my baby. And, Kiss my baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in order to do that, you, you, because you have to like curb certain things that you might say. Mm-hmm. Now, th- I think there's real instruction to be given and it needs to be again, back to the purpose with a, with love, sincere faith, that purity of heart and good conscience. Um, Elijah did that. And it, it, you know, in our ears today, that would seem pretty harsh. John the Baptist did that would seem pretty harsh. Right. Sometimes the the prophet's message to the civil government is pretty hard. Um, it's not actually harsh. It's just truth. And Elijah's purpose behind that is being obedient to God. Now, having said that, some of us are going to think that we're all Elijah. Huh. Yeah, it's just gonna we're go there. all we're all prophets, and <laughs> we're all Elijah. And every civil magistrate is Jezebel. That's Jezebel. And, you know, so we're like, we have a hammer and we're going to use it every way there is to, to, to use it. Well, we're saying everything before is, is I think not knowing or not being comfortable saying those kind of things, um, I think comes out of what we were just talking about, which is not having an actual pure heart and a clean conscience. I think there's, there's something to be said about that. It's like, if you don't have that, Deep down, you know, I've got some sin going on, or what if I get found out on this, or, you know, those kind of worries when you have sin in your life. Um, then when you go to say that kind of thing, you're, you know, there's kind of that fear of like, oh, I don't know, you know, and kind of being caught as a hypocrite, uh, among other things. And I think that, that that goes towards people not being willing to go say the hard things. And I think that's why. You can have people like John the Baptist, you know, or people like any of the other prophets and stuff too, that were able to go to them and say these very bold, succinct, hard things because they had a clear conscience and a pure heart. Yeah, um, you know, I, I do think you're right that uh, like pornography use, it it sucks the life out of you. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And a lot, a lot of men. Yeah. More than one way. Like it uh it will just make you weak and effeminate and cowardly. And since we talk about a church in the in in darkness and fighting and bringing light to it, there's you you're about to see actually and then the next part, I don't know if we're going to do that on this episode or not, but that uh it doesn't mean effeminate men and butch women. Mm. Like yeah, going sure. and talking to those in authority doesn't mean we get the order out of whack. Mm-hmm. It means there's a right order to how we live, of how men being men, women being women. There's a right order about age and showing respect for that and about authority in the church. There's all these right things to deal with that. And um, so some of the problem is we sometimes get all that out of whack as well. And then that, that defeats the purpose as well. Like, uh, you know, we were talking about last I think our last episodes about women warriors and all that. Um, oh, women of civil authority, yeah, yeah. Sorry, women of civil authority, and then we kind of talked about women warrior and stuff. And then there's a sense in which, like, uh, some of the people that are being bold to speak out on these things, um, they can, if they're not careful, undermine the whole thing because they've not kept God's order and they've not done it with the right purpose. And, and so I, I don't want to be... Tone police, because <laughs> uh, that's stupid too. Yeah. Um, but I want, and maybe as as uh, uh, I guess this is probably a good time to start uh, wrapping up this episode on this is to start really just applying everything we've talked about now. So I want us as we think about that is like as men. So what do we do here to help the church in these areas? Like get the right purpose, the right uh, gospel, and the right position is simply do that in ourselves, right? Guard our own hearts. What is our purpose in our lives with our with our families? If the church's purpose is love from a, a pure heart and a, a good conscience with sincere faith, well, obviously, if I'm going to be a part of that church, I need that. So what are we doing in our own lives to bring that about? Like, are we defeating sin and... And or are we those like the silly myth people? Because the reason the silly myth people exist and they and, and they put a whole bunch of focus on outward ceremonies and the law and bad ways is because they don't have that clean conscience. Yep. And so they're they're just ate up with sin and they can't point to God's real use of the law. So all they can do is point to phony stuff. And it's always the problems way out there, right? You'll, you'll, this is why the red pill manosphere stuff, there's a lot of good truths, but oftentimes there's such a focus on like big world events and things beyond an individual's control. And the reason they focus so heavily on those things is because their lives are out of control. The actual part that they can control yeah, is out of just, control. I was just going to say, yeah, the one thing they can control, they're not. So they seek to control something bigger. It's that false sense of security, I think, is what they're looking for. But So, hey, let's uh, let's end this part right here. We'll make this a two-part episode. I think this thing we're going to do more often now so we have more time to talk about stuff. So uh, we will release this one one week, and then the next week we'll have part two, uh, which will be right after this. So uh, stay tuned for part two of this episode where we're going to follow up with everything Joseph here was just talking about. Uh, but until then, 
uh, before I let everybody go here. Um, if you want to support us, and we really, I know I say this every episode, but we do really appreciate it. And there are things that we're going to start needing to buy extra microphones and some other equipment and stuff like that now, too. Um, if you would become a Fight Left Feast member, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, it, it would also really help me in my archaeological digs, too. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. My shin yeah, digs. We can take his shins out and maybe bury him somewhere so I don't have to hear these jokes anymore. <laughs> but if you want to support us and also get yourself access to really cool behind-the-scenes content, our, our other show, After the Sandwich, uh, some neat sermons, and just, just a bunch of really neat things that are behind the paywall, uh, go to fightleftfeast.com. Sign up to become a member. Any option on there's multiple tiers, so it's not all just one size fits all. You can pick something that works with your budget, or you can buy it for a friend. But make sure to use the code Patriarchy when you do, because it goes to support our show. Uh, it goes to support uh, me taking out uh, Joseph Shins and uh, burying them somewhere in the backyard. And uh, yeah, but also. If you want to go support something else, uh, another good Christian company also does help us, too. If you like coffee, unlike Joseph, who likes brown Kool-Aid, otherwise known as sweet tea, uh, if you like actual coffee, uh, you can go to missionfirstcoffee.com uh, slash, the, or slash patriarchy, not the patriarchy, but patriarchy. If you want to have a little bit to, uh, go towards our show, but it also does go to support uh, missions. And specifically, it goes uh, towards Paul Washer's uh, Heart Cry Mission, Missionary Fund. Um Really cool organization. Uh, really, also just a really neat company. I've met these guys. They were at the last Fight Left Feast conference. Really neat guys. Talked to him on the phone. Also, well, probably most importantly in this, really great coffee. Really is. So go get yourself a bag of coffee. Go to missionfirstcoffee.com slash patriarchy uh, to get yourself some coffee to support our show. But with that being said, until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is The Patriarchy. Patriarchy.